Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Out of the gates and ready to go. Thursday edition Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live on this Thursday. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us on YouTube and throughout the vast Outkick Network. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. We also hope you'll go to the YouTube channel, hit subscribe. You can be alerted anytime we go live or any of the great shows on Outkick do as well. Just search out Outkick on YouTube. Chad, draft is here. The draft this evening for the NFL. Armando Salguero is in Kansas City. He will join us doing great coverage for Outkick. He'll be with us in 20 minutes live from KC, and we'll hit all of the, the news, the topics, the rumors. That's straight ahead. Trey Wallace covers the SEC. The SEC, dominant in the NFL draft. Plenty to discuss within the conference currently. He'll join us in hour number two. And then in hour three, SEC head coach for the University of Tennessee, Josh Heupel, who potentially has multiple first-round picks in this year's draft class from his team last year. And he's either coached or coached against four of the top five quarterbacks in what could potentially be a five-quarterback crop for the first round. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is a big day and a day where we put to rest all of the rumors, everything we've heard, all the speculation. It's over with. And we go from thinking we know something or not knowing something to knowing everything to then forgetting about everything we thought we knew the day before. (laughs) That's really how quickly it happens. I mean, how many draft rumors do you really remember out of the months of speculation about everything? After tonight, we come into this show tomorrow, and all we're talking about is what we already know about what these teams did. Yeah, but the but the booms and busts of the decisions, the trade-ups, oh, who yeah. passed on which player, uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun. And in Kansas City, they're expecting 300,000 to pour in to the – area that they have built outside of their Union Station there. Um, They've built a massive theater outside of what was one of the more iconic uh, venues and and buildings in KC. And they claim that 100,000 fans have already pre-registered for tickets, which is absolutely free for them to attend. And people will pour in there. They'll pour in on the ratings as well tonight for really a first round, Chad, in Kansas City this year where, I mean, it's about the quarterbacks, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, we're going to talk to Armando Salguero later, who's in Kansas City, so I want to get the vibe of the city from him. Yeah. Um, This is the first one, though, that I can remember where I haven't, and a lot of people just don't care about the venue of where the draft is. And maybe that's the case, you know, everywhere other than the city. We're here in Nashville where our studio is, and that was far and away the best NFL on-site draft. It's not even close. I don't think there's a close second. I think the NFL would tell you the same with what Lower Broadway looked like, and they had more people yeah. come downtown than anywhere else. So I don't think Kansas City's going to reach those levels. But I do wonder, going back to 2015, 2015, 2016, 
draft moved to Chicago. And when they started going on site, I think 2017 was Philadelphia. Yep. After that and, and moving it around, it really kind of built momentum, you know, up until 2019 in Nashville. And then COVID hit. Then COVID happened. And they did everything on Zoom. And then they had the Zoom year, and then it went back out. To Vegas. Vegas, and then the Vegas one was weird, I thought. You know, it wasn't great. The optics of it, everything around it wasn't as good. Um, has it lost a little bit of luster in terms of on site? To me, it just really probably depends on the venue itself, the city, I and think, where you are to I get, get excitement event, going. And I, I know where you're coming from on it. I think this event, though, optically looks better in the smaller markets because in Vegas, it's an event, but it's just one of the events in that city, right? Same thing would happen in Los Angeles, for instance. Uh, Same could be said for New York, although within Radio City Music Hall, it's not like the citywide drone shots that they're going for here. Um, Next year, it is in Detroit, and then it's rumored to go to Green Bay after that in 2025. I think both of those cities will crush it. And I think Kansas City will be in, on great display. Uh, the weather plays a huge factor in all this, too. You know, Chicago, the weather was, well, at least for one of those years, was awful. And rain is expected in KC tomorrow, but not tonight. It's supposed to be clear in 50 degrees, so it should be, should be fine for that. Um, and 300,000, I mean, that's, that would set a record. Publicly, on behalf of the league, that would set a record. So last year was Vegas. The year before was Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That's the one I was thinking about. I remember thinking Cleveland's going to be incredible, and it just was not the same level of excitement and buzz as I expected in a city like that for the NFL draft. So hopefully KC uh, uh, supersedes my expectation, but my level of expectation has dropped over the years for these. And part of it is because I'm a little spoiled in that we lived through the Nashville NFL draft, but, and I just don't think yeah. anything's going to be nearly as good. Well, maybe, maybe not. But they, Kansas City has been begging for this, and well, now they got it now. They're on, yeah. And but they, they, they also don't have. I mean, there's a lot of quarterback hype, but only 17 players are attending the draft. Yeah, you know, CJ Stroud's I, one of them. I don't think it. And I, honestly, I look back on the Nashville draft. I don't even remember who attended. I didn't even care. It was just the spectacle of all the people downtown and how awesome Lower Broadway looked with the stage set up. And it was just the best setup that we've had for the draft. I, I will I will go in, my mind wide open, I'll watch it, I'll come back tomorrow, I'll tell you what I like, didn't like about it. I just don't think it's gonna be that great. And I think that it's starting as we go year after year doing this, the initial new car smell of taking the draft on the road for me, has gone down a bit. And uh, look, raising my hand, I'm hoping Kansas City exceeds my expectations and I come back and say I was wrong. It looked awesome. Don't think so, though. The only league that can do this. You know, they can take it on oh, a traveling sure. circus roadshow for a draft where the football's not even present. Look, the you only know, thing the crazy. NFL competes with right now is one-upping the NFL. Yeah, the previous year. Yeah, they're, they're trying to jump over the bar they've set for themselves it's like a sales quota you meet once, and then you know that's going to be the new standard moving forward. Everything the NFL does, they're competing against themselves. So Kansas City, you're on the clock. You're competing against Nashville. That's the best. Go beat it. Good luck. Carolina on the clock first, followed by Houston. The latest is Houston's going defense. We'll ask Armando about that and why, and we'll give and take a bit on we'll have a conversation on if they're making the right call if in fact they go defense and then what happens at Arizona at pick number three 
trade talks have picked up for the third overall selection, which teams are calling the Cardinals. Armando will, will fill us in on that too. Look, tonight, the, the toughest thing for general managers, head coaches, especially now, is finding out, number one, it, uh, all of the discussion about S2 and uh, combine, injuries, all of that plays a factor. Ultimately, guys are going to be drafted if they can ball, if they ball out. First rounders, are you elite? And beyond that, it comes down to, I think, a key factor, which is much more difficult to figure out nowadays. Not only can you ball, do you love football? And I reached out to a former general manager and asked him that question. On average, how many players in the first round do you think actually truly love football? And the answer was eight of them. Eight of them truly love everything about the sport of football. The grind, the work, the, the exhilaration after a win, the feeling you have gut-wrenching after a, a loss, the camaraderie in the locker room, wanting to be around your teammates, wanting to do everything behind the scenes necessary. Eight of the first-round picks, 31 tonight, 32 usually, fall into that category. The other tier, he said, is uh, around another eight players or so. The next tier, they play football for what it gives them, but they like it, they don't love it, but they're good at it, and they make good money. They would prefer to just play the sport as long as they can, but you know, when they go home, they tune out. They don't truly love it like a hobby. And then the rest are just in it for the fame, the fortune, the selfies, the fake social media personas, the autograph lines, and the pomp and circumstance that it gives them with notoriety. But they would trade the sport and the job for something else entirely if it matched what that high feels like for them, not just on game day, but walking down a sidewalk. I found that fascinating because in a sport where from college football, where I think the fan bases believe everybody's in for the university. Now you think of the transfer portal, NIL, and some of that was already going on. But in terms of make or break a, a coaching career, general manager and how we grade things over a three or four year span, the trajectory of a franchise, especially at quarterback, but beyond that too, how many of these guys truly love what they're doing versus doing it just because they're good at it? And I think the average fan would be shocked at that number. And the number on average, eight to 10 that truly love it. And then I think it's very difficult to figure out which guys fit in which category because they're so good at faking it until they make it. And especially at quarterback, Chad. Think about the guys who are like the 9-5 to five QBs yeah. versus the Kyler guys Murray. who... Kyler Allegedly. Uh, well, yeah. But even beyond that, like the, the guys who bust out versus the guys who grind and put everything in, I mean, they don't necessarily have to be first-round picks, but first-round because of the, the level that you're measured at. I think the, the lower picks tend to love the sport more, right? Because you have to work your way up and climb the ladder. These guys enter the league with all the expectations at the top of the hill, and they know they're going to make the roster and get a second contract somewhere, for the most part. 
And that number you threw out, that's 25% of the first round. Eight of the 32 on average. You think it's, a, it, you think it's difficult to identify which guys truly love it? No, I don't. I don't think it is, and, and I'll I'll give you an but example co- of but co- how. But college coaches even lie for them in some cases. Yeah, no, they they do, and I think the college coaches that end up getting the most respect from GMs are the ones who will be. They're not going to just crush their guy, but can be right. somewhat honest about you know here's some things we we'd look at right. Um, you know, we'll ask Josh Heupel later about his communication with NFL teams. Yeah, and what he says about you know players, and I do think there's a way that coaches can couch something, a concern about a player they may have without completely rolling a guy under the, the train, on the train tracks, so to speak, for them to fall completely in the NFL draft. Here's one thing I always look at with someone, if you love something or you don't, do you know the history of it? I'm always thrown off a bit when I, I talk to a football player or hear a football player that does not understand the history of the sport or the league they're playing in. And I think that's a big part of it because it's not like doing your homework or taking a test. It's what you want to do. You know, I I research sports history or different things or watch certain television shows because I enjoy it and I want to learn more about it or it's just fun to me. If you don't know the history of your own league or your position, then I think that probably is something that would say, hey, you know, I, I don't know that this person's really that into it if they're not going to take the time to learn more about it. And it's not because I'm trying to make them take this test to you know, get all the, the multiple choice questions right. It's you should want to do this. You should want to know about the greats in your game. You should want to know about the history of these organizations. You should want to know about these teams when you go and meet them. This should be fun for you. This is your life. You are a professional football player. Enjoy it. And if you don't and you're sitting there and you're stumped on you know, who Joe Namath is, if someone asks you, that shows me someone who's just give, had, was given a lot of God-given athletic ability to play a sport who may not really love it and has just played it their whole life and they've excelled at it their whole life and here's their chance to make some money doing it. But I don't see that as someone who's going to be great in the game only because they don't feel like the game is great and they don't treat it that way and they don't love it that way. And you can tell that, I think, with, with players. Not 100% of the time and not with a short amount of time you get as a GM – before the draft, but I think you can tell. And in, in, only with only 25% of those guys being in the first round, we're just looking at that small number of 32. Um, after those guys are drafted, you then you have to sift through that next tier, which I think is even more difficult. Because I, I've, I've talked with and I still talk with former all pros who admit that they didn't love the game, but they were really, really good at football. And they produced on game day. But they weren't the locker room leader. Um, they didn't strive to, you know, obtain the Pro Football Hall of Fame gold jacket. But they were NFL All Pros in some cases. In one case, three times throughout his career, because he was just great at the position that he played. Yeah, solid and consistent. But in some cases, especially at quarterback, you want more than that. Yeah. You need that guy to lead your locker room and your franchise, especially if you're trading up for that guy. Well, like Peyton Manning is, the, is to me one of the ultimate examples of this because while Peyton Manning is, you know, six foot five and has the prototypical size to be a good NFL quarterback, he's not the most athletic. He never had the strongest arm. He also was in a position in life where he could have gone and done anything and been set for life because of his family. 
But all he wants to do is talk about football and research football and talk about the history of the game and do television shows now about the history of the game and then go on other people's shows and talk about the history of the game and what he loves and talk to other players. The dude loves it, right? I mean, that's I'm looking at now a supernatural, superhuman desire for football when I'm talking about Peyton Manning. But to your point, Hutton, about quarterback and how it's different, yeah, I want someone who puts off those vibes. That, hey, even if they weren't out here playing this position, maybe they'd be coaching it, they'd be in a front office, they'd be talking about it, they'd be, they'd be wanting to be around it. They'd be watching it. I mean, how many, you talked about all pros, how many all pros have we known that they all they'll watch is home and garden TV or home renovation projects? Don't We're talking about Jarrell Casey. Yeah, Jarrell's who one. Who told us that? He, but he's a third-round pick. Yeah, but he knows the game and everything he needs to do for his job, and he'll study film. But when he gets away from it, it's not like he's watching. You know, he's going to go watch something else. Yeah, that's it's just it's, it's a job to him. Yeah. It's, it's work. And I'm not saying that to rain on his parade. He's he was a good player. Yeah. But point being, there's a different level of loving well, everything about him. And the question was posed for me just because we may see teams trade up for quarterbacks tonight. We will see teams trade up for quarterbacks after Houston passes on them at two. There's a big difference in the line of thinking with that and a lot on the line. And you've got to find the guy who's not going to bail on you in year four or year six for that matter if you're investing what you're investing in these uh, in the draft capital and with the future contracts that these guys are going to get. Hit us up with your thoughts in the chat. You can join us in the chat on YouTube when we come back. We back will in chat. the chat, baby. Chat's firing. We will. Chat yeah, is firing good. right now. Chat's firing. Keep it going. We will chat with Armando Salguero, who will join us live from Kansas City. That is next on Hot Mike. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Tonight's NFL Draft in Kansas City. We're previewing everything throughout the show. Tomorrow, a big recap and then a preview for the weekend. Armando Salguero's got you covered at Outkick.com, and he joins us from Kansas City for tonight's first round. Armando, plenty of drama. There always is. We expect Young to go number one overall, but Houston at two has been fascinating over the last seven days of coverage. What do you expect to happen? I expect, as I wrote just a little while ago at Outkick.com, fireworks. <laughs> That's what uh, all the analysts, all the gurus, and even some of the people within the NFL are expecting. You know what's funny, Jonathan, is none of them have a real sense of what's going to happen in the first, I would say, seven or eight picks. It's Everybody has speculation about it. But certainty is one thing that is very, very, um, I would say, valuable right now and invaluable because nobody's got it. Before we get into the draft and the players being drafted and speculation, all that good stuff, you're in Kansas City right now, Armando. We just got done talking about different host sites for the NFL draft so far. 
What do you expect out of Kansas City tonight in terms of, of NFL host cities? Yeah, I'm looking out over the train tracks, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I really have to have a long conversation with my uh, travel consultant, my travel agent. My <laughs> hotel is across from train tracks, bro. Oh, that's... Um, so- so yeah. how's the train depot right now? Are, are a lot of syringes there, there around no, that or how's that going? Yeah, there, there is no depot. I have seen a couple of guys just jump on randomly <laughs> nice. in the last couple of days. So there's that. Um, what I expect from Kansas City is a good good show. They, they've been preparing for this for a long time. I got to see the setup yesterday afternoon. It's a nice setup. It's, it's well done. Um, I'm not sure how many people will actually show up. I don't think it'll be Nashville crazy like it was a few years ago, but uh, they love their football here. Haven't you heard? They're pretty good at it. Um, so so I expect it to be good. Uh, I have seen a lot of foreign quote unquote jerseys. So folks make this uh, make this into kind of like a, a trip to Mecca every year. Uh, next year in Detroit. And if it's not good weather there, they'll just take it inside. But man, yeah, I know what you're going at there. And then after that, maybe Green Bay. Um, Armando Salguero with us. So Houston and the idea that they would pass on a quarterback at two to wait and draft at 12 or move back up, whatever the scenario might be. But then the, the exact opposite reaction from another team, potentially trading up to three with Arizona to draft a quarterback. Normally, I'd say, well, the split decision that happens in the league. But not really whenever a team like Houston, who's desperate for a quarterback, passes on one at second overall in order to sit and wait on one to fall or fall back so they can move back up and draft them. Meanwhile, the capital it takes to move up, as we all know, is steep and expensive. What do you make of this quarterback crop? And do you think we see them fall? However you want to determine and define that, Armando. Or do you think we see a run early? Let's, let, let's break it down this way. The second best quarterback prospect universally across the board, even if you don't think he's number one, is C.J. Stroud at number two. That is, that is a no-brainer. Everyone agrees on that. Everyone. And so if the Houston Texans needing a quarterback, sitting there at number two, seeing number one pick Bryce Young go to Carolina, don't pick C.J. Stroud. They're morons. Because do the exercise. Even if they were to draft a defensive edge rusher, and that guy is good, and C.J. Stroud is a middling to inferior quarterback, they still made the wrong move because you don't know for sure that C.J. Stroud is going to be a bust. You do know for sure that if he's good and if he's number two overall pick good, he's going to lead teams to playoff uh, you know, birth. There is no defensive end in the NFL that ordinarily leads his team to a playoff berth. None. Zero. Get Reggie White, you know, he was the best of the best. He needed Brett Favre. He, 
it, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. And oh, by the way, Houston does have a history of blowing defensive end drafts. Uh, Jadavian Clowney being one of them. So why are you doing this? Why are you trying to be the smartest person in the room when everybody else is thinking the quarterback at number two? I don't get it. I, I, I'm with you, Armando. Same. Uh, I, I don't understand it. I would draft quarterback, but isn't what Houston is saying in doing that? Not that they think that C.J. Stroud is middling at best. They're saying all these quarterbacks suck. That's what you're saying. I mean, if you're the Houston Texans and you pass on quarterback at number two, because what you're saying is right. A middling quarterback is more valuable than a top defensive end, let's say, or whoever they draft. But to me, what the Texans are saying in this is, we hate all of these quarterbacks. So we're not going to draft a bad quarterback and waste a pick on a bad quarterback. You guys have at it. We'll get a guy we know is good, and then we'll go roll with it next year with a quarterback or next offseason somehow. Is it, to me, that's what, like, loud and clear what the Texans are telling everyone if they pass. I don't agree with that, but that's what they're saying, right? That's critical thinkers might believe that, and then they do the next move. And the next move would mean you're not picking any quarterbacks in this draft because you just said they all suck. So that number 12 pick is another guy who's never going to lead you to the playoffs. He may be great, but he's not going to lead you to the playoffs. So now you've got two non-quarterbacks, and your quarterback next year is Davis Mills or uh, Case Keenum, who's the backup. That means that next this season – the Houston Texans will be bad again, and they could be bad enough to get the first overall pick. Not likely, but if they're not, they're going to be in the same situation next year looking at the second or third best quarterback of the draft class. The, the only name we should throw in there is Trey Lance, just because of what we've discussed over the last two weeks. There, there could be a plan there and the connection with Sam Fran and Houston staff now. But yeah, maybe they have that set, and that's why. And the whole thing about oh, is Houston with a smoke screen? There's no reason for a smoke screen. Like if you know that Bryce Young's going number one, why do you have to pretend like you're going defensive end at two? I it just again, it makes no sense to me on on the way this is being reported versus what Houston should do versus what they is, sounds like they're going to end up doing. I'm curious from this angle, the non-quarterback that kind of sets for you. The top 10 is which player? Another player who has enormous flaws, and that's Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, if he had a clean uh, character slash uh, motor um, prospect type of evaluation, he w- he's the best player in this draft. He is unblockable when he wants to play he is unblockable when he's not gaining 10 pounds between the nfl combine and a few weeks later the georgia pro day he is unblockable when he's trying the problem is he did gain 10 pounds between the combine and the pro day He does take plays off 
there's stuff about his character that obviously he has settled legal wise, but I've heard some other things that I really don't want to get into here that just make you go, wait a minute. So there's a reason why the Houston Texans, who supposedly are off those bad quarterbacks that Chad mentioned, aren't on Jalen Carter. How many teams do you think are on Will Levis? (laughs) Will Levis is is an acquired (laughs) taste. Um, and let can we agree on that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I don't have the taste buds for it. <laughs> uh, neither do I. Um, look, I, I, the guy looks the part. He's on the all airport team. He's he, he is he should be a star. He should be uh, based on how he looks a you know number one overall pick the problem is they actually play games and he's throwing 20 was it 23 interceptions in the last two years um and i get it kentucky doesn't you know put a ringling brothers type talent on the field for him to kind of make him look better like alabama does for bryce young or even Ohio State does for C.J. Stroud, but he was at Penn State. Penn State's got talent. They're good. And he was gone. And so he's okay. The other one I think non-quarterback category I'm I'm interested in following is B. John Robinson. And it's because – the statement from a team about what level of running back talent this guy may be, right? We know about where running backs typically are slotted in the NFL draft, and it's lower and lower in the draft over recent years. But Armando, based on what you're hearing, what you're seeing, is Bijan Robinson one of those exceptional guys at that position that's going to go way higher than than you know most would imagine? Well, so in the mock draft that I did, I believe I put him um, on down there with Los Angeles, the Chargers. And I believe that, um, you know, that's probably where most evaluators have him because, let's face it, running backs, you know, the char- we're talking about the Chargers, the guy that scored – 24 touchdowns for the Chargers or 28 touchdowns for the Chargers the last two years, Austin Eckler was an undrafted free agent in the draft. So you can find talent. I'm really wanted by somebody. Yeah, you're on the clock. Uh, Very, very popular guy. You, um, what I was saying was you can find talent at that position just about anywhere. Um, and teams often do. And so they don't like to expend premium picks on guys that you can find uh, four, five, six of them in a draft, and typically after the first round. So uh, I'm not, Derrick Henry wasn't a first round pick. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Yep. And it's been a while since uh, the the top guys in the in the first round have worked out like to the level of I mean Saquon Barkley for instance on the franchise tag 
this year, you know, like the, the expectations versus the results and where that position is valued. Armando, so to me, if the Texans pass on Stroud, that a team is going to jump ahead of Indianapolis to draft him with Arizona. If the Texans draft Stroud, and I don't think they will based on the vibe here, and I think you would agree, um, then we're going to see Arizona pick at three and then Indy picks at four. How nervous is Indy, do you feel, just behind the scenes, about what may happen ahead of them? And, I mean, the Colts have to be one of those teams trying to call Arizona just to flip picks, right? Well, let, let's take a step back from that a minute, Jonathan. Okay. If the Texans are not drafting a quarterback, they should be trading. They should be trading down. Because whoever, if they can trade down to, what, five? Four, sure. Yeah. Uh, with Indianapolis, if Indianapolis values the quarterback so much, they should be looking to trade up. And and if Texans, in fact, don't value the quarterback, that's that's an easy marriage. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that regardless of what happens, uh, C.J. Stroud will be the number two overall pick. Okay, And he will either be the number two overall pick to the Houston Texans or the number two overall pick to whoever gave up, you know, the necessary resources to slot into that that spot. Because otherwise, what are the Texans doing? You didn't trade the second overall pick to not draft a quarterback. That's nuts. Nutty ridiculous uh, wow fox news um so anyway that's that's what i'm uh trying to get I, I don't want this to be a rip the texans uh exercise but it, it's a new new england patriots type of vibe that nick casario is putting out and it's a i know more than everybody else and typically when that happens the dude doesn't know more yeah. than everybody else. Armando knows all, and he will have full coverage tonight in Kansas City, not from the train tracks behind him, but from all things NFL Draft in downtown KC. Outkick.com is where you can find that. Looking forward to the coverage tonight and uh, recapping things tomorrow on the site as well, Armando. Thank you, man. Go ahead to that phone call now. Yeah. How's your chance? Armando Salguero joins us each and every Thursday. And today, a great day to have him with him and Casey. Again, head, to, head over to Outkick for the very latest coverage. Uh, boots on the ground there of the NFL draft. Coming up, a big discussion based on Giannis and his reaction last night to being knocked out. One seed, Milwaukee, going home, losing to the eight. And apparently, for Giannis, it's not considered a failure. We react to that next on Hot Mike. The Milwaukee Bucks championship aspirations. Giannis and company squandered a 16-point fourth-quarter lead, went 5-for-25 from the floor in the fourth quarter in overtime last night. And Giannis, during that same time frame, three from 12 from the field, three of nine from the free throw line. And the Bucks are packed up and going home as the one seed. 
no longer in the postseason after round number one. But Giannis postgame, don't 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 call it a failure. I just asked Bud the exact same question, but I'm curious for you. Do you view this season as a failure? Oh my God. Uh, okay, because I'm not that up. We, you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right. So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. We're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to build good habits. Try to uh, play better. Not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year. And I, last year I was in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back. So we got a new F word. Uh, there's one the FCC won't let us use or mm. anyone use, right, when you're on broadcast. Um, the new F word in the NBA is failure that no one will use. People are so afraid of this word in professional sports, and I don't understand it. It doesn't even have to be an emotional response to it. It's very easy just to say, look, yeah, we were the number one seed, so losing to the eighth seed, becoming the fifth team in NBA history – to lose as a number one seed in, in the first round is a failure. Now, you could go on to say, we accomplished some things this year that I think we can build on next season, but the, at the end of the day, this is failure for us to lose in this first round. And it's not just Giannis. I don't want to pick on him because he does a really good job of arguing his point for a guy that English probably isn't his first, second, or third language with the amount of languages he speaks. So I, I'm not. this is not just about him, but in general – Athletes today, a lot of times, they have such a difficult time just saying, this was a failure. I failed. Our team failed. There's something so dirty about that word that they're unwilling to use it, and it bothers me. The other thing that bothers me about this is when you start asking the reporter, did you get a promotion? Mm. Is that a failure? Well, th- this, is what, this is what really it's, – it's the hypocrisy of that. Because what do people in pro sports always want to tell people like us? Or anyone else, any fan out there. Hey, you can't talk about it. This is totally different than your job. What we do out here as professional athletes or coaches or whatever, totally different and separate of your job. So never compare your job to ours. Well, I'm going to tell you to do the same thing. Stop comparing this reporter's job to yours. It's not the same. 
It's not a zero-sum game for whoever this reporter is every day. There's not a win or a loss at the end of it with points tallied up at the end of every day of his job where he can go and say, well, I won this many and I lost this many. If you looked at his record and you saw that he lost in the first round as a reporter, as a number one seed to an eight seed, and he didn't want to call it a failure, then I will crap on that guy too. But if you're going to say it's completely separate and what we do is better and more important and you can't compare it, then don't compare his job to yours also in terms of success and failure or wins and losses because it's not the same. The bottom line is in professional sports, it's about winning. It's not about personal improvement. It's about winning or losing. When you get to that level, that's what it's all about. So if you want enough to be the number one seed, and you lose in five games in round one to the number eight seed, you failed. We can use that F word again. Failure. That is what you are right now. Get better. Come back. Win another title. You're not a failure, personally. That season was a failure. It ended in failure. Yes. And I don't know why we can't just admit that and say it. they're the sixth one seed to lose to an eight seed in the NBA. So that the question is warranted. Let me also preface this by saying that in many cases, the standard of players in the NBA specifically that they're held to, if you're not Jordan or LeBron, you're in a different category, right? And in order to win, and LeBron did this, you form super teams and you go win. Giannis stayed in Milwaukee. So I want to preface all this by saying he stayed and others will be with him because they can join and win championships. But... Giannis is, he comes across as the, the, the player that's cool with the level that they're, they're playing at. Do you want to be held to the LeBron standard or not? That's what this comes down to. And I don't think LeBron, after championship number one or failing to get to champ- the first title, would have said, yeah, the season's a failure. Uh, or would have would have stepped up and answered the question the same way. You've been like, yeah, we. He's, I'm pissed off. I could, after championship one, coming back, trying to get it again and have, have it in the way it did to an eight seed, I don't see the best in the sport responding that way. He's also not wrong in that, hey, you know, there are, it's, there's a staircase to this, but the competition that he's going to face throughout his career He's going to be held as the MVP to the MVPs that win and do it on a consistent basis. And a lot of those dudes are 35-plus years old right now. He's, what, 29, 30? He's in his prime, and he should be held to, if he's the best in the game, up with the best in the sport. And that's why the question is warranted. It's not because it's Giannis at the podium it's it's the franchise that he chose to stick with that other players are now willing to join and the expectations are there i don't take that question by the way as a slap it's i think it's a compliment based on the expectations that you have as a one seed and to achieve all of that in the regular season and for it to be dumped away in five yeah it's a failure yeah we've got someone in the youtube chat saying there are scenarios where you can lose and still see growth well of course That's in life, and that's in any sport at any level. That's the case. But when you're the fifth number one seed all all time in history, sixth, to lose to an eight seed, it's failure. So it's okay to admit that. And, you know, 
I saw someone put something. I, I retweeted it, but you know, Michael Jordan, by this definition, if you say that it was a failure, he failed nine times because he won six titles, right? right? Yeah. Michael Jordan would tell you he failed those, those nine seasons. Well, and this will that's the difference. Will, and I don't I don't want to make everything about Michael versus everyone else, but he'd probably be the first to tell you that it's failure when you don't win a title. Have you seen the? the loop of the crypto.com arena in LA this past weekend, they had like five playoff games in a span of 72 hours, including two in the same day. And just look at this, just how fast they have to change things over. Um, craziness, how they schedule everything. Meanwhile, the, uh, the concert in Atlanta for Janet Jackson had to be moved to tomorrow, Chad. I saw where Trey Young is hoping Janet Jackson comes to the Hawks game. That now that they have that extra game there, that he, he wants her, he's trying to invite her to the game. We found out she's coming to Nashville next week for a show. Next week? Next week. Are you can, in? Can we go? <laughs> I'd love to see Janet in concert. Yeah, let's go. Next week we'll broadcast live. Maybe Janet will come by here after going to Which watch Trey Young play. I think it's Thursday night next week. So Lil Wayne is in town tonight. I know because I've been trying to get him in studio. Maybe he'll swing by. Who knows? Give us his NFL draft pick. We'll give you ours. The Hot Mike Mock is next on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network.